it is time for another edition of Never Out of Bounds. Of course, this is the place where you can say what you want as long as you got the facts. We have a bit to go over today. I got a word on the street segment. Um, I'm also going to be getting into some college basketball as well as some college football. Uh, so let's just go ahead and get into it. Like I said, we have uh, we have a bit to get into. Now, uh, in this segment of the word on the street, first thing I wanted to get to is um, these federal courts. Uh, the circuit school, the circuit courts of these states, stepping in and trying to put a hamper on um, the certain Biden administration efforts. Now, a federal court uh, based in New Orleans, its Fifth Circuit, declined Friday to lift its stay on the Biden administration's uh, vaccine mandate for businesses uh, with a hundred or more workers. And obviously, you should know by now that I'm all for this. Um, now it is, it will be, well, it, it is set to take place January 4th, uh, but the federal occupational safety and health administration, uh, has stated that workers be vaccinated or face mass requirements and weekly tests, um, which I'm willing to do. Yep. Y'all might think I'm crazy, but I'll tell you more why. Just a second. Um, now, lawyers uh, from the Justice and Labor Departments, they responded by saying stopping the mandate from taking effect will only prolong the COVID-19 pandemic and will cost dozens or even hundreds of lives per day. Um, we'll get back to that in a second. Judge Kurt D. Engelhart wrote that the stay is firmly in public interest. From economic uncertainty to workplace strife, the mere specter of the mandate has contributed to unhold upheaval of recent months. And this I definitely agree with as well. This is what Engelhart will go on to say. At least 27 states have filed legal challenges in at least six federal courts after OSHA releases rules on November the 4th. It's court filings uh, Monday that the, uh, sorry, the federal government said that it's case filings Monday, uh, sorry, the federal government said that the cases should be consolidated into one and that circuit courts uh, should challenge, uh, should challenge one of these cases at random uh, and basically uh, they want them to do it by November the 16th. Okay. Long story short, you know how I feel. I am not necessarily anti-vaccine. I'm anti-vaccine mandate. And I think, again, as, you know, response to what the lawyers for the Justice and Labor Departments are saying, my response to that is people will be dying from the miseducation. Of, people are dying from the miseducation about COVID daily. Again, it is well established that those with weakened immune systems are at risk of hospitalization, passing away, so on and so forth. The, the, the fact of the matter is, the vaccine itself is not 100% effective at boosting your immune system to eliminate your issue. And by definition, let's be real here, by definition, that's all a vaccine is supposed to do. It's supposed to be an, an immune booster. But we already know 
that it's quite possible to do this in other ways, at least immune, immunity, developing immunity, okay? So I think if we educate the key, we keep educating to the populace that those who are at risk should be taking this vaccine, which I totally agree. I think it should be a strong suggestion. But to say that everybody needs to take it, although everybody's not dying from it, is preposterous. Now, is there a small percentage of younger or healthier people uh, catching this and succumbing? Yes, but there's also a segment of the population who have already been vaccinated are catching this and dying. So, eh, as well as not dying. So, I mean, as well as, you know, non-vaccinated and dying and so forth. So, but at the end of the day, they're not huge numbers. Which leads me to say, again, back to what we've been saying before, we've been coming to contact with this virus throughout this whole time. Again, millions of us are not dropping. Why is this the case? Well, obviously, there's a such thing as natural immunity. People want to discredit that, and again, I will say this. I don't think it was right or right for some of these, you know, anti-vax people to, to lean on, you know, Joe Rogan or other certain podcasts. Because at the end of the day, those people that they're getting their podcasts or the people that they're listening to are getting their information from somewhere else. I have to research this stuff. I'm not just saying, you know, this. This is a AP article. Now, my my beliefs behind it, of course, that comes from me course but what i'm presenting here is actual is actual actually happening right now even when somebody like joe rogan is giving you advice i would again suggest if you aren't because i know you're doing it if i'm telling you something particularly some of the more atlantic stuff that i'm saying make sure to fact check i wouldn't just go on what fox news or cnn or again joe rogan or kanye west is saying it's more to it than that, of course. So, um, obviously, the people, and if you look at the, the number of, I think the percentage of people vaccinated across the country, which I believe is at 60%, it's not necessarily high, that goes to show you that there is some weariness to that and not a rush to want to get into that. And I don't blame people. I, I truly don't blame people. The more we understand, you know, how it's affecting people, the more I think we realize that it's not necessary, necessary, ne sorry, it's not necessary at this point, the same. Um, again, if for those with compromised immune systems, I will repeat, I think, something that's something that they should be strongly looking into. But the rest of us, I think we can manage. I think we have been managing, and I think the media has been part of the lie to get you to be stirred up and kind of riled into that. But let's move on. Let's digress. There's other things to talk about in this world. Oh, and one thing I will say, actually, before I let that topic go, I I think if uh, your boy, Mr. President himself, keep pushing, he's going to mess around. There's going to be a midterm situation, and he might end up getting, um, what's the word, impeached for this. And I don't have a problem with it, because I think it's a clear violation, just like I felt that Trump uh, trying to, co you know, co you know, finagle his way with the Ukraine government and, you know, 
put up false investigations. It's like I thought that was, you know, overreach. This is definitely overreach for me. It, it, it's fair. I don't, both these parties are full of shit. And uh, this is another way to, to kind of be shown that. They're forcing you to take something that's not even 100% effective at what it's supposed to do for one. And there's many other ways to go about doing this. And we know the section of the population that's affected by this the most. Why are they not being encouraged? This is not for everyone. And it'll start showing up in terms of these side effects. But again, that's why they made it so you can't sue. That's that's on law too. All right, so let's move on. All right, y'all. So we got some more news uh, coming out of UC Davis. Now, according to a recent investigative report, the university's baseball team has basically engaged in uh, frequent acts of hazing, uh, particularly for new players. Uh, this includes drinking competitions, scavenger hunt challenges that pretty much ended up with um, lap dances, which is really weird. So we got this, you know, baseball team full of dudes and they over here, you know, course ritual quote-unquote uh, I just think it's people acting weird doing stupid ass shit uh, but it got these dudes you know stripping for each other or lap giving each other lap dances which is hella weird right eventually they would be bringing in professional strippers this is of course according to the report UC Davis announced Friday that his coach Matt Vaughn has since resigned now the evidence establishes or proves that Vaughn uh, knew or should have known about the initiation acts at least since 2018 and failed to take uh, res reasonable steps Excuse me, to address it. This is, of course, uh, coming from, I believe this is, uh, oh, I, want, I think I got this article from NBC Sports. Uh, but anyways, all bad. Like I said, you got this, this these weird-ass... You know, rituals, like I said, that's what they call them. Of course, according to the report, uh, like I said, they got these dudes giving each other lab dances. They're bringing in strippers. Again, this is, I guess, what you would call college life. I think on the surface, that's what a lot of people might say this as. Just people enjoying it. But um, I also think it was weird. I just Some of it is weird as well. Now, the report did not include that Vaughn's behavior was uh, pretty much out. It didn't, well, the, the report showed that he knew what was going on with the teammates, but his behavior himself uh, wasn't wasn't considered to be gross misconduct and or and or improper government activity. Um, and it's of course according to the university's policies. At the same time, I mean, knowing about something and failing to do something about it makes you part of the problem as well. So, you know. That's, that's kind of my take on it. Uh, Vaughn has been, well, up until this point, he was the Aggies head coach for 10 years, uh, and he was a part of the program as well as a pitcher from 1989 to 1982. So, again, you know, a, a product of the university, of course, I'm pretty sure when they were bringing this guy in, that was going to be one of the things that were going to go for him or in his favor, and I, I'm pretty sure he was well-liked within the community. Um but I also think there were some other struggles on top of this. Like, you know, um, you also had the team not performing as well this year. They finished with a record of 14 and 43. They were 8 and 32 in the Big West in terms of conference play. 
Um, and then 10 of the to, uh, 21 players are from uh, local, at least in the area, local high schools. So again, you know, you have a team right here with all the drama and then they're not losing. They're losing on top of that. I think it's really hard for, you know, there's, you know, for you to find really any real justification to keep him, you know, especially with all the drama coming out. The team isn't performing well. I think when you add both of those together, then, you know, it's enough for for a coach to, to lose his job. I think if it was one or the other, I think if he was str just struggling, that might have been one thing. I think if you would have had this uh, come out. Um, again, you also, and, and pretty much what you're hearing here is, is not so much him doing bad things, but I think one of the biggest things I'm seeing here lapse in judgment and this is according to the final the 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 sorry the investigation itself 34 pages 34 page report but this is one of the lines in there the lapse in uh, judgment and telling an antidote to his players in 2021 that involved excessive drinking and native and naked women again uh, my whole thing about all this is that they're supposed to be athletes so there's a time and place for everything Maybe in the offseason you have your fun, you do your little bit of drinking, but in the season I think that's a problem. At least me personally, I wouldn't, you know, want to be caught up doing all that shit. How can you concentrate? So again, you got all this stuff going on and your team is struggling, fourteen and forty three overall. That's probably, you know, how you got to that point. Now also evidence was there wasn't enough evidence there to uh bring along well to place blame on the assistant coaches brett lindgren and also lloyd acosta um they're saying that they really didn't know i kind of find that hard to believe i mean we'll get into what you know what else was going on uh that they were into so i mean because it's kind of hard for me to, to say that well for me to see that nobody knew about anything that's kind of weird to me um Lindgren has left the program um, and Acosta is going to be an assistant at least until uh, a new coach is hired. So it looks like they're going to probably step away from these guys as well. And I think it's really hard to say what these people knew, what they didn't know. Of course, um, according to a report, the assistant coaches didn't know, but the head coach did. I don't know how that's the case. I don't know how your assistants don't know what's going on. Other, I mean, other than for the fact that maybe, you know, man, there's no accountability there. So, I mean, somebody is going to have to go. Now, uh, all three coaches have been placed on a, a, administrative leave before. And a university spokesperson said that unsupervised team activities will be prohibited and administrator will travel with the team to and from games. All UC Davis athletes will be required to complete training intended to to prevent hazing. Now the question is, of course, you know who revealed this information. Um, you know what defines hazing. Actually, I don't even think you want to get into all that. What defines what type of hazing? Uh, I just think it's weird. You know, I mean, again, forcing people to drink. You got alcoholics on the team. This is for athletes. You know, what I'm saying. I, you should not be promoting any type of nefarious behavior amongst athletes. I mean, again, um, they're young men. Of course, they're going to want to live and have some type of fun. But at the same time, you got to have some type of responsibility. And nobody was holding these kids accountable, you know, including coaches. So that's that's why you're having these problems here. 
Uh, players frame the initi uh, initiation as an overall positive bonding experience, however, so this throws, I mean, again, it makes us all uh, weird. Uh, but uh, again, the, like I said, because they, like again, they claim the initiation was a pond, uh, sorry, a positive bonding experience, but with negative elements in terms of certain undesirable activities or excessive intoxication. So I'm guessing, you know, having to, you know, do those lab dances and of course, like I said, uh, having to do all that drinking. Um, it's also important to know that sexual contact uh, was implied, but it never necessarily uh, has been was proven within the investigation uh, a lot of joking about that type of stuff but again it, it must be you know overall it, it seems to me that it was for some people it was a party and it was really fun but for some people it might have been a very uncomfortable uh circumstance so you got those two it, it, it seems like there's you know there's some there's some differing opinions kind of what I'm hearing here. Now also according to a report the initiate the initiation sometimes ended with new players barely coherent from binge drinking, blindfolded and receiving lap dances from veteran players and then from strippers. That's hella weird, bro. You ain't gonna get me to give no lap dance to no other guy. It's fucking weird, Joe. I don't know what the fuck y'all are y'all be on. Um initial uh sorry, initiations also included eating goldfish Drinking mystery shots, that doesn't sound good. Engaging in a game called Don't Fuck Your Brother. What? Okay. That sounds hella suspect. Um, and pretty much in this game, uh, there were teams of, uh, sorry, two teams of first-year players, and they raced to drink a drug of alcohol. And uh, in one of these cases, players were pretty much uh, required to consume one a 1.75 liter bottle of alcohol before 10 a.m. That's that's dangerous. That's really dangerous. I don't know how a coach does not know what's going on, doesn't think to step in. Yeah, um, that's terrible coaching. I mean, we can look at the record and say, I mean, obviously with the way that I mean, with the way that he carries his team, no wonder that they ended up being garbage. They're halfway drunk all the time. They're not up to they're not up to to snuff to play against these other guys. Um, with the addition to the rituals, the baseball players established a team culture of pretty. Again, it it just it, it presses it you know it pushes the alcohol. Like this is what the report is saying: alcohol. We keep seeing alcohol use drinking. Uh, drinking, 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 underage drinking. Uh, high school players on recruiting trips were pressured to drink excessively. That's not a good look, bro. That is not a good look. That's illegal. Also, it puts your program in a very dark light. If I'm not mistaken, the program itself actually has been uh, put on hold, if I'm not mistaken. So there's been a death penalty. If I'm, again, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, there was also a game that they used to play called beer boxing which pretty much uh had two players just keep on drinking until one of them vomited that's again not not safe not smart um and during the last road trip of the season uh, to long beach state during may the 28th to the 30th players were drinking on the bus bus ride back to their home of course in davis and this is what uh, witnesses told investigators y'all on the team bus drinking uh-uh. 
Where's the head coach? What head coach is not riding? Are y'all sneaking shots? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yeah, he got to get cut. Yeah, that's a problem. He's going to have to cut that program off for a couple years. And, uh, yeah, let them uh, let them get their mind right, UC Davis, because uh-uh, that's unacceptable behavior. They are on the team bus. Nobody – see that? And, again, I don't, I don't see how – you know, you get the head coach for it and say the head coach knew what was going on. He didn't do anything about it. So he's, you know, in a way liable for that. But the assistant coaches, they're not right on the team bus either. Nobody saw all these people drinking. You got a whole squad of people. I'm not too sure how many people were on that roster. But again, you don't know that they're drinking. What? How does that not? How does that happen? You see, Davis, get it together. Like I said, they're going to have to cut the – I think they are ceasing operations on this team for a while. They're going to have to get their mind right. They're going to – you know, because that's unacceptable. I mean, you got underage drinking. You got student athletes basically becoming functioning alcoholics. And they're not playing good baseball. All bad. All bad. All right, y'all. I'm going to take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, we, we, we will be going over some college football I wanted to go over the college football, uh, sorry, the playoff rankings. Uh, actually, they will be coming out tomorrow. Uh, so you know what? Let's let's hold back on some college football. Let's wait till the rankings are coming out. We'll, we'll go over it then. Uh, but when I do come back, we'll be going over uh, college basketball. We do have a, top, a new top 25 for the week. I wanted to talk about a couple of upsets so far earlier into the week as well. And just kind of finish up my wrap-up and kind of just talk about a few teams uh, going into the year. Again, we have a whole season to talk about all these teams, but I want to talk about a few tonight. And then also, I'll get into the NFL. All right, y'all. I'll be right back. some college basketball of course it is a new week so the rankings have changed up a little bit we have two new arrivals at the 25th spot and the 24th spot usc and florida respectively but outside of that and of course your ups and your downs from the teams that are already here um it's pretty much on par with what was going on in the preseason uh but let's get into like i said you got usc at number 25 florida uh as at number 24 they are both at 2-0 and everybody uh here in these rankings at least at this point is undefeated uh but florida arrives on the scene uh with a big win on sunday against their in-state rival florida state who was uh, ranked number 20 at the time uh the final score on that one was uh 71 to 55 i believe florida state is one and one at the moment in that game the gators were led by fours colin castleton and also Anthony DeRuji that will both get 15 points. 
Uh, Castleton would add 16 rebounds to his totals, and Deruji would get seven boards uh, as well. Uh, guards Myrian Jones and also Brandon McKissie would both score 12 points each. Uh, for the Seminoles of Florida State, they were led by the starting forward Malik Osborne. He would get 18 points and six rebounds, as well as a couple assists. And guard Matthew Cleveland would get 11 points and six rebounds. A couple takeaways from this game. Uh, not a lot to say here. The Gators controlled the game throughout. Uh, led in both halves. Uh, the Gators, they do end a seven-game losing streak to Florida State, and they outscored FSU 43-25 to in the second half. Both teams did shoot below 40% in terms of field goal percentage, but Florida did control the boards uh, with a 44-33 advantage. So second-chance opportunities, I mean, that, I mean that's going to help out in the long run. But a uh, good blowout win for Florida. Again, I don't think people were expecting that. I mean, it's a good thing. I mean, it's and it's a good way to start off the year. Uh, moving on, we have number 23, uh, UConn. Uh, behind them, uh, sorry, above them at number 22, we have St. Bonaventure. Uh, this is a team I don't know much about. Again, this is a new team. They have not been, we talked about them a couple days ago. They have not been ranked, at least in the preseason, uh, uh, since 19, the 1970s. So new team on the block. We'll see how things go. They play in a smaller conference in the Atlantic 10. Again, time will tell. At number 21, we have Auburn. At number 20, we do have Maryland. Uh, Maryland did have a solid win this weekend. It's a blowout win. Again, I believe it was against uh, Coppin State. Uh, again, a smaller school. Easy win, easy blowout win. But, again, Maryland holds on to that top 25 spot. At number 19, we have Ohio State. At number 18, we have North Carolina. Above them, we also have... Um, excuse me, uh, Tennessee at number 17. At uh, number 16, we have Arkansas. At number 15, we have Houston. We have Alabama here. They came in here at number 14 uh, in the preseason, but they are still there. Uh, they are averaging 98.5 points per game. Uh, now, this is good enough for 15th in the nation right now. They were 26-7 and seven last season. They were first in the conference. Uh, they were also, but they would also uh, have a pretty decent playoff run. You don't really hear too much about Alabama basketball, of course, it being a football school. But again, they made it to the Sweet 16 last year. Uh, two games in, they are blowing teams out. They look really good right now. I'm not going to take a whole lot away from them. At number 13, we have uh, Kentucky. At number 12, uh, we do have Oregon here. Uh, actually, um, you know, of course... I'm a big-time Oregon fan. Uh, they were 21-7 and seven last year. Of course, they're undefeated this year, uh, going in a couple games into the season as well. They haven't really played nobody yet. I think they're going to be facing up against SMU, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but they were last year's conference champs in the Pac-12. Uh, they would lose in the semi uh, the semifinals, um, at least in the, in the second round, excuse me, to USC. Actually, no, in the semis to the tournament against USC. Uh, but last year, they did have a pretty good offensive rating, 109.3. That was good enough for 33rd in the nation. Uh, I think one of the things facing the Ducks, though, is going to be that vacuum that uh, was left behind. There's going to be a senior, there's going to be a leadership vacuum right now. Uh, uh, the Ducks are dealing with the departures so far of Eugene Omoyuri, uh, Chris Duarte, and also LJ Figueroa. I think Duarte and Omoyuri are both went into the draft. Uh, they both averaged 17 points per game. Um, 
for Omoyuri. He also had over five rebounds. Uh, Duarte would almost get five rebounds as well. And LJ Figueroa would get uh, would actually lead the team in rebounds last year with six, and he also was scoring 12.3 points per game. So a lot of leadership here, a lot of offensive production, a lot of rebounds there as well, a lot of boards, opportunity, a lot of opportunity for second-chance opportunities that are gone here for the Ducks. But they are returning st- uh, two starters, including uh, – Guard Will Richardson, he's gonna be a all he will. He was a, a preseason All American, and they also bring in transfers Quincy Guerrier, a junior forward out of Syracuse, uh, first team All American as well. And we also got Davion, uh, Davy, sorry, Davion Harmon, uh, a, a transfer, a transfer guard out of Oklahoma. He's a junior, he was also a second team preseason All American. So, again, we did lose some uh, talent. But we bring in some more in. Again, Oregon is a is a team that time will tell. Again, there's a lot of there's a lot of production that we are missing out on uh, with the three guys that left last season. And Chris Duarte is doing really good in the league right now, in the NBA right now. Actually, he's a he's one of the top candidates for Rookie of the Year. So just to kind of give you the pedigree of what Oregon has been working with in the past few years, uh, a lot has been said about the football team, but a lot can be said about this basketball team as well. They're looking pretty good. Um, at number 11, uh, we do have Memphis here. Uh, Memphis was 20-8 and eight last season. Of course, they're undefeated this year. I believe 2-0. Uh, they were third in the American Athletic Conference. Uh, they were 20th in points allowed a game. So pretty good uh, defensively last season. Only giving up 62 points. A little bit over 62 points per game. They were second in defensive rating. They were 11th in total rebounds last season. So they were also 8th in steals. So there's some things that they can do. They can rebound, steal. Uh, they can also block pretty well too. They were 18th in the nation in blocks. So a lot of things this team can do. Uh, they're recruiting pretty well. Uh, of course, they have Penny Hardaway, a legend, an NBA legend as their head coach. Again, that definitely does bodes well for them in the recruiting aspect. And uh, they were fifth in the in um, sorry in fifth sorry they were fifth in field goal percentage allowed at just 38. percent So again, they generate uh, they generate turnovers. Uh, they get blocks. They can protect the rim. And again, they keep their they keep teams from scoring consistently on them. That is a good thing. I think they'll take that into this season as well. At number 10, we have Illinois. Um, Illinois actually is in the news, uh, but not for the for the greatest of reasons. Uh, they actually took an L tonight. Um, now, they're, they're currently 2-2 two and two on the year. Uh, this was their second loss. Look for them to definitely take a drop in the rankings. Uh, they came in here, like I said, number 10. They took a one-point loss to Marquette. Marquette is unranked, uh, but they are 4-0. So, uh, good look on them. I mean, if anything, they might end up being in the rankings next week. Uh, but for Illinois, in this one, they were led by guard Trent Frazier. He would have 23 points, 2 assists, and also 5 rebounds. And forward Coleman Hawkins would have 13 points and 8 rebounds. For Marquette, they were led by guard uh, Daryl Morsel, he would have 21 points and five rebounds. And forward Justin Lewis would get 17 points and four rebounds. Uh, they also got help out from guard Tyler Kolick, uh, 12 points, five assists, and five rebounds. Um, and you know he wasn't a leading scorer, but you know he was able to get actually the game-winning bucket via a steal. 
uh, for Marquette, you know, one big takeaway from this one, Marquette forced eight, uh, eight steals and 26 turnovers. Uh, for Illinois, they blew a 12-point lead. And uh, they actually have given up 58 turnovers in the last three games. So it's coming back to haunt them. They got to be able to hold the ball. Uh, and they are missing out on one of their top producers. They're missing out on their, their uh, center, um, Kofi Cockburn. He's, I think he has one more game. Actually, no. He should be wrapped up with his suspension. I think he was serving about three games. So I think he should be about ready to come back maybe one more game he has to miss uh but he should be ready to go and they need him they definitely are gonna need him because yeah they look to be out of sorts tonight um at number nine we have baylor uh they were able to get an easy win tonight uh 89 to 60 over nickel state not too much to mention there um i think they are I think they are in the driver's seat in terms of possibly uh, getting a, a win there in that conference. But again, uh, that's that's just my opinion. Uh, moving on, we have um, at number eight, we have Texas. Uh, Texas, uh, they were in a really tough contest last weekend against Gonzaga. They did fall to Gonzaga. Um, they are actually one, actually. Let me take that back about the undefeated. That's the only team uh, in the top 25 that is undefeated, uh, not undefeated. Let me take that back, y'all. I, I, uh, I, I gave y'all the wrong stat there. That's my bad. But um, uh, they came up, like I said, they came up short against Gonzaga, 86 to 74, which is probably why they only tumbled about three spots. Um, in this game, uh, Texas, they were led by forward Timmy Allen, 18 points from him, four assists, and also six rebounds. Guard Marcus Carr will get 11 points and three assists, as well as three rebounds. And, uh, sorry, guard Chase uh, Febbers will get 10 points, four assists coming off of the bench. Gonzaga, uh, they just rolled in this one. Uh, forward Drew Timmy, of course, um, I'm pretty sure he's... He should be draft eligible. I know they're looking at him this year, especially after that game, uh, this game last week, uh, last weekend to be exact. 37 points, 3 assists, and 7 rebounds. Guard Rasir Bolton would have 16 points and 3 rebounds. And forward Anton Watson will get 10 points and 5 assists coming off the bench. A couple takeaways from this game. Uh, like I said, two top, two good-looking top 10 teams here. Uh, but a tell of two halves. It was a tell of two halves in this game. Uh, Texas was outscored 27 to 47 in the first half, yet they were outscored Gonzaga 47 to 39 in the second half. Uh, Gonzaga, uh, they would shoot better than Texas from the field at 54% compared to the Longhorns 44%, but Texas will shoot better from three, slightly better from three at 37% compared to Gonzaga's 36. Uh, Gonzaga, they were forced seven steals and 11 turnovers. Uh, it was, you know, it was a game that Texas, again, Texas looked a lot better in the second half than they did the first half, but Gonzaga pretty much had that healthy league and Drew Timmy was all over the place. So you can't take that, uh, you, I mean, you can't really blame Texas. Gonzaga's just that good. Uh, but Gonzaga is going to be having one of the hardest schedules, at least not conference schedules, uh, in the top 25, at least in my opinion. Uh, moving on, uh, we have at number seven, we have Duke. At number five, we have uh, Villanova. Uh, and Villanova was 18-7 last year. They were the Big East champs. They would lose in a Sweet 16 to Baylor. Uh, one of their key losses going into this year is going to be that of their forward, Jeremiah Robinson Earl. He averaged over 15 points per game 
He also had eight and a half rebounds. He will be, well, he's currently giving his services to the NBA right now. Uh, but they do have eight starters that are returning, including senior guard Colin Gillespie, who averaged 14 points per game last season over three rebounds and also almost five assists. So, again, um, and they're looking pretty solid, you know, already in this early start of the year. Um at number four, we got Michigan. Michigan was a solid team last year uh, as well, conference champion. Uh, they would make it to the eight, elite eight last season as well. Uh, they were they had they averaged seventy five points a game last season. Uh, they also were twenty fourth in their offensive rating at one eleven point three. They have a couple all conference starters returning, including including center uh, Hunter Dickerson, uh, who uh, averaged over forty. Uh, Sorry, forty. Sorry, fourteen points per game, and also over seven rebounds. They also got forward Caleb Houston returning as well. So for Michigan, really good, really good season last year. Bringing back some of the pieces, definitely that were a part of that, and you know, they still got a lot of young bodies to work through. I think, but they are they have a, they have a solid balance because I believe they're bringing Isaiah Livers back as well. So again. They had a, a solid recruiting class, but they also had good starters that they're bringing back. And, of course, Jawan Howard is a pretty solid coach for it to be his second, I believe, almost his third season. But, um, yeah, the man is doing it. I take nothing away from him. At number three, we have Kansas. Again, they were at number they were number three going into the season. Uh, they were twenty one and nine last season. Uh, they were second in their conference, the Big Twelve, and they would lose in the second round of the NCAA tournament to USC. Uh, their front court will be anchored by junior forward David McCormick, second team All American, uh, and they will also be led by sophomore Jalen Wilson. He actually uh, averaged eleven point eight points per game last season. Um, in the backcourt. They got guard Remy Martin, an all-star transfer via Arizona State, who averaged 19 points per game last season and also 3.7 assists. First team all to all Pac-12. Uh, they also got guard Ochai Ajabi. Uh, he's going to be returning. Uh, well, he has returned for his senior year. He was the Jayhawks' leading scorer last year with 14 points. So, again, it's a team that is bringing some good talent back. Uh, again, talent that helped them perform well last year. Again, they brought in probably one of the hottest guards in college basketball in Green Barton. Again, that is kind of my opinion there. But they brought him in. Uh, this team should be looking pretty good offensively. Uh, they are actually my pick to win the Big 12. Again, I could be wrong. I have been. And I could live with that. It's just life. All right, so... Uh, at number 20, I'm sorry, at number 20, at number two, we have UCLA. Uh, they had a they had a big win tonight, actually, uh, easy win, easy win uh, over, who was it, uh, Long Beach State. Easy win for them. Uh, you also had Gonzaga at number one. They were in action tonight as well. Pretty easy win for them over Alcorn State. That is your top 25 for the week. Um I'm going to take another quick break, and when we get back, uh, we'll be breaking down some NFL action, of course. I wanted to put in my thoughts on OBJ, uh, and then also, yeah, we're going to go through the scores from the week. So, I'll be right back.
So I'm back. Uh, let's break down the NFL course. There's a couple little news uh, headlines that I want to get into before we start breaking down week 11 uh, officially or week 10. Oh, God. My bad. <laughs> uh, but anyways, um, of course, one of the big news uh, stories or at least coming into uh, week 10 was, of course, OBJ uh, heading to Los Angeles. Now, he was cleared of waivers Thursday, and he would become a free agent signing uh, with the Los Angeles Rams, of course, joining up with uh, Matthew Stafford, a pro baller, and a receiving room that consists of Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, and Van Jefferson. Um, other teams such as the Chiefs, uh, the Packers, the Saints, the Patriots, and even uh, the Seahawks were interested in OBJ services as well. Let's take a quick look at the, the Rams offense and also OBJ at a glance. Uh, now, the Rams currently lead the NFL in total offense. Uh, Stafford leads the league uh, in passing yards as well. Cooper Cup is the NFL's leading receiver. Uh, he leads the league in catches, excuse me, at 74, also receiving yards with over 1,000. And he also uh, leads the league in t uh, touchdown catches as well at 10. Now, for OBJ, he's been struggling uh, so far this year. Just 17 receptions for 232 yards, zero touchdowns. Um, you know, this is a far cry from some of the, the great seasons he had. he's had in New York with the Giants. Um, and even his first season um, in Cleveland was pretty, was pretty damn good. Um, he would have had over 1,000 receiving yards, but this is back in 2019. He did deal with some injury uh, problems. He injured his knee last season, or twenty sorry in 2020 and 2020. Uh, so that didn't you know that didn't really work well for him and what he was trying to do. Uh, but he has five 1,000 yard seasons, so he's very capable of getting this done. Um, the question is, you know, really what happened in in Cleveland? Um, I I do think that um, sorry, I do think that. Baker Mayfield is somewhat to blame. We could look at what happened with them this weekend or last weekend and, and say that, you know, there's some things that uh, he doesn't do well. And um, I think that's part of it. Um, does does, uh, does Odell have some type of attitude problems? Does it make it difficult for teammates? That, that makes it difficult for teammates. I think that might be some of the, the, the issue here. Um, but I think it's misinterpreted. He does wear his feelings on his shoulder, on his sleeve, mind you. Uh, you know, but that's what a lot of us. And um, I don't think that takes away from him as a, as a player. I, I I do think that it rubs certain people the wrong way. But that's just them. And for, you know, what it's worth, I, I honestly think that his struggles have just come from Baker Mayfield just not hitting the mark. I don't think Baker Mayfield is, is as great of a quarterback or even as good as a quarterback that people make him out to be. I think that's a lot of the reason right there. He, he can't really stretch the ball down the field. He's a check down artist as well. He moves a little bit. And he has charisma. 
In this society, people love, you know, they love guys with charisma. You could be average at whatever you do, but if people like you, people like you. That's the way that they do it in this society. They'll reward you. You know, that's what Baker is the beneficiary of. You know, he happens to be the guy that people like. He's not even that great of a quarterback. I'm just keeping it real. And that's what's led to some of, uh, you know, Cleveland's problems. You also have one of, uh, you know, his teammates, OBJ's teammates. Uh, he also played for the Rams as well. Safety James uh, Johnson pretty much saying that he wasn't really with, you know, the Rams pickup. And basically stating, you know, and I'm assuming because he knows OBJ from, you know, playing with him. And he also knows the Rams for playing, you know, with the Rams, of course, that, you know, he, he must have, you know, at least some type of feeling about it. And he kind of went on to say that, you know, OBJ might struggle here because of the way that the Rams run their offense. He's trying to figure out how would he fit in. You know what? I think Sean McVay did his homework. He knows to some degree how he might want to work him. And, you know, I think a lot of the coaches had the same opportunity to, to kind of think about it and to kind of make a move. And that's why you see teams like, you know, Tampa Bay taking a pass. Uh, because they feel like they are already set at their receiver spot. So I think a lot of people didn't already did their due diligence, including Sean McVay. So if he's making the decision to go do it, I'm pretty sure that, you know, he's done the research. He knows what he's going to be getting. And he's okay with that. He's okay with making that move for the Rams, particularly with Robert Woods. He's out for the rest of the year. It will behoove them to get a decent receiver, right? It makes perfect sense. So, I don't have a problem with it. I think it might take a cut. He might take a while to work, uh, at least a, a week or so. But he should be able to uh, make his, you know, make his way into the, you know, the rotation and, and help out that offense. Uh, let's move on. Uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about John Gruden. Of course, he's still back in the news, and this is an article uh, coming from the New York Times. Uh, but it looks like he's gonna be trying to sue the NFL and also Roger Goodell for his, what he calls, a forced resignation. Like I said, he and his legal team have filed a 21-page lawsuit submitted to the 8th Judicial Court of Clark County, Nevada. He claims the league purposely plotted against them, referring to a Soviet-style character assassination. The suit accuses the NFL of intentionally leaking his emails to the media mid-season to inflict maximum damage with the initial October 8th release, then followed uh, with the release of more emails October 11th to the Wall Street Journal in response to Gruden not immediately being fired. I think that makes perfect. I mean, it makes sense. Of course, you'll have people saying, well, he was fired for what he said about, you know, gays and all that, and, you know, to kind of push that line. Again, I knew it from the get-go. The NFL won. I'm gone. This was all part of the plan. They didn't, you know, the the Raiders weren't immediate to drop him after he said the N-word. That was the plan. Or not necessarily, he didn't say the N-word, excuse me, but, you know, after he said those things referring to D. Maurice Smith, they thought they could get him for the racist, you know, his racist comments. That didn't get him out the door right away. So they decided, okay, we'll add fuel to the fire. That makes perfect sense to me because of the way the way it all happened, the way it all transpired. 
Gruden's emails are just a small fraction. On top, on top of that, uh, like I said, small fraction of the emails that were uncovered in the NFL's ongoing investigation of the Washington football team. And none of these other emails have been revealed to the public. Why? That's another problem that I have. You're supposedly investigating all this shit about Washington. Haven't told us anything that you found out about them other than the fact that uh, you did, uh, well, the FBI, for that matter, raided one of the former trainers' houses. That's all that we really know. We don't really know what the NFL has found out about them. Uh, we found out these vague articles here and there, but we don't know fully what they are responsible for. But somehow we know all about what Gruden said, even though he's not even necessarily part of the investigation. That, that That's a little bit funny to me. Now, Raiders owner Mark Davis, as well as other owners in the league, I, all of the owners on top of that, said they were unaware of these comments, unaware of these emails, excuse me, until they were until after they were released by the press. So they didn't even know these happened, even though these, you know, these emails were sent years ago. They didn't even know that these these statements were even made until the NFL said something about it. Again, this is a problem. It almost seems like, you know, they were pushing for this to happen. I'm sorry, but that's just kind of the vibe that I'm that I'm getting here. Um, yeah, I, I can't. Whew, I, I, it's drama. That's all I can say. It's a bunch of drama, and I and I personally, I personally don't like it. All right, y'all. We are gonna move on. Let's break down uh, week eleven. Some of the well. Scores from week 11. We're going to get into some of these games, a little bit of uh, some takeaways, of course, stats and all that. But let's let's go ahead and get into it. Of course, week 10 started off with the Ravens. Uh, they took a loss here, upset loss here to the Dolphins. 22 to 10 was the final score here. The Dolphins are three and seven and the Ravens uh, dropped to six and three. Uh, in this one, Lamar Jackson will go 26 of 43. Uh, he would have 238 passing yards. He would throw a touchdown. He would also throw a pick as well. Uh, this offense altogether for Baltimore was a little bit nondescript. Uh, you had Rashad Bateman, the leading receiver, six receptions for 80 yards. Mark Andrews with a receiving touchdown. Uh, but the running game was held to just for 94 yards. Uh, they also uh, offense, well, overall offense were just held to 4.3 yards per play. They were also 2 of 14 on third down. So they didn't really move the ball that well. They couldn't convert. They couldn't sustain drives. Uh, they would also give up two turnovers and would also give up four sacks. Now, for the Dolphins, um, 290 yards total between two quarterbacks, Jacoby Brissett. And two attack of Aloha, uh, again, so as much as Baltimore was struggling offensively, so was Miami. This was makes this this loss for them that much uglier. Uh, Tua would have a rushing touchdown. Miami had even less yards on the ground, just 60. Uh, they weren't doing so well in terms of their yardage per play as well. So they weren't moving the ball at all. Uh, necessarily either just 5.6 yards of play and they were also 3 of 13 on third down uh, they would give up uh, four sacks as well and would only score one offensive touchdown throughout the entire game uh, they also would have 11 penalties for 97 total yards so again 
for Miami to come away with this win, it's not good on the part. It's not a good look on the part of the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, but kicker Jason Sanders, uh, he would do his thing to help out with uh, going three or three from the field goal range. From <laughs> sorry, three or three on his field goal attempts, and of course uh, Xavier Howard. Uh, pretty much with the play of the game that was sealed a deal in Miami's favor with a 49-yard fumble recovery. Uh, moving on, uh, we move to Sunday. Uh, we got the Buccaneers getting it done against the Washington football team. 19-29 uh, to 29 is the final score there. Uh, Washington is 3-6 and six on the year. The Buccaneers are 6-3. Uh, moving on, we got the Saints. Uh, taking a two-point loss here to the to the Titans, excuse me, uh, twenty-three to twenty-one. The Titans are eighty-two. The Saints are five and four. We got the Cowboys getting a blowout win against the Falcons here, forty-three to three. The Cowboys are seven and two. The Falcons are four and five. The Browns get their ass blown away by the Patriots. Told you Baker sucks. Um, forty-five to seven was the final score. The Patriots are six and four. The Browns, I don't know what what's gonna happen with them. They were supposed to be a playoff bound team, right? That ain't gonna happen. I told you they suck. Anyways, we have uh, somewhat of an upset here, lightweight upset. Uh, the Vikings they got it done against the Chargers, uh, twenty seven to twenty was the final score. The Chargers are five and four on the year. And the Vikings are four and five. Uh, for the Chargers, of course, uh, Justin Herbert was under center, going 20 of 34, 195 yards. He would have a touchdown, but he would also throw a pick. Uh, Austin Eckler would be the team's leading rusher with just 44 yards. Larry Roundtree would get a, a touchdown on the ground. In terms of receiving, Keenan Allen would be the team's leading receiver. Receiver, excuse me, eight catches for 98 yards. Austin Eckler would. Uh, get a receiving touchdown. And defensively, uh, they got help uh, from, sorry, Joey Bosa. He will get a sack and a forced fumble. Uh, we also got Amen Abongania. He will get a sack uh, as well. Uh, let's move on uh, to, uh, sorry, to the Vikings. Kirk Cousins will go 25 or 37. Two touchdowns, 294 yards, 117 QBR. Really good day for him. Dalvin Cook, he's been in some drama, and he's been in the news recently for some drama. I don't get into all the drama news. That's not my style. That's not my channel. Uh, but he would have 94 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Justin Jefferson, again, doing his thing on the receiving end, uh, 143 yards. Uh, sorry, yes, 143 yards, nine catches. Tyler Conklin, if I'm not mistaken, that's the offensive lineman. Two uh, receiving touchdowns from him. Uh, moving on to the defense, we got Eric Hendricks at the linebacker spot. He will get a sack and an interception. And uh, your boy Cameron Bynum uh, will get a sack as well. If we look at the total uh, total stats here, uh, the time of possession uh, easily in favor of the Vikings. Ran the ball pretty well. They also got a few more first downs on top of that. Uh, they had more more total yardage at 381. Of course, uh, you know, Kirk Cousins threw the ball pretty well. Uh, they both had a significant number of penalties, more so for the Vikings. They will get 10. And um, again, they, both teams turned the ball over. But when it came down to it, 
Kirk Cousins didn't play a bad game. They give him a, a rough time uh, when he plays in these marquee matchups against these good teams. He completed 67% of his passes, two touchdowns, 117 QBR. You can't beat it. You can't beat that with a stick. All right, y'all. Uh, moving on, uh, we have a NFC matchup here uh, between the Cardinals and the Panthers. I thought this was a good game here. Uh, Kirk, sorry, Kirk. I don't know where I get the name Kirk uh, from. Uh, but Cam Newton, uh, he's been in battle the past few months. Uh, he's been cut from teams. He's had, you know, kids at his football camp call him out. He went through a lot of shit, man. He was a free agent, all that stuff. But he's back in Carolina doing his thing. And um, I'm proud of him. Uh, he scored two touchdowns uh, in the Panthers' 34-10 victory over the Cardinals. Um, let's break down what the Cardinals did real quick. Uh, Colt McCoy will get the start. He will go 11-20. Uh, sorry, 11-20 for 107 yards. He would throw a pick. Chris Streveler also got some action under center. 6-9 for just 36 yards. James Conner would get a rushing touchdown. Um, only 39 yards on the ground. Not a great day from him. Just 3.9 yards per carry. Again, not a good day at all. The leading receiver will be Christian Kirk. Seven receptions for 58 yards. Again, nothing really there offensively. And defensive, uh, defensively, defensive back uh, Jalen Thompson will get an interception. Uh, moving on, again, Cam Newton will score two touchdowns for the Panthers. One on the ground, one through the air. Uh, we had Chuba Hubbard getting a touchdown on the ground as well. Leading receiver will be Christian McCaffrey, 10 catches for 66 yards. Uh, we also have Robbie Anderson getting a touchdown uh, as well. And uh, in terms of defense, uh, we got Hassan Reddick getting one and a half sacks and a forced fumble. And Dante Jackson will end up with an INT. We also got uh, linebacker Shaft Thompson getting a sack as well. So good defense all over the place, at least from um, the Panthers holding the Cardinals to just uh, 10 points. Uh, Cardinals only were able to get 11 first downs compared to Carolina's 24. Uh, we have uh, a, a, dis you know, a disparity in terms of yards. You have almost 350 for Carolina, just 169 for Arizona. 166 yards on the ground for Carolina. Again, they love to pound the ball. They will run the ball, particularly with Cam Newton. And a really solid game for them. Uh, almost five yards per carry. They would have two turnovers, but again, they got the W. And at the end of the day, that is one of the things that matters. Uh, moving on, we got the Bills getting the win against the Jets here, 45 to 17. The Bills are six and three. The Jets are two and seven. Uh, the Colts they get it done against the Jaguars, 23 to 17. The Jaguars are two and seven, still struggling. And Urban Meyer's first year, the Colts are 5-5. Five and five. Uh, We have some more interconference matchups here. We have uh, the Lions, they get it done. Actually, the game here ends in a tie against the Steelers, 16-16. Uh, the Lions still winless at 0-8. The Steelers are 5-3 now with a tie. Uh, of course, we have uh, some more interconference matchup. Another interconference matchup, excuse me, uh, we got the Eagles getting the best of the Broncos here, 30 to 13. The Eagles are four and six. 
the Broncos are 5-5 five and five so far on the year. Uh, we have another NFC matchup here this time. The Packers, they blank the Seahawks 17-0. to zip. The Packers are 8-2. The Seahawks are 3-6. and six. Uh, We have the Chiefs blowing out my Raiders here 41-14. Again, the Chiefs 6-4. and four. The Raiders, they dropped to 5-4. and four. The Raiders held to just 50 yards on the ground. I think Kenyon Drake had like the most at just 19. They struggled. Oh, man, they struggled mightily offensively. One of nine on third down. Again, just two touchdowns in total. Patrick Mahomes, again, he seems to be turned the corner again for this year. 460 pass yards, five touchdowns, uh, three of three is what the Chiefs were doing on fourth down. So, again, uh, they... You know they were able to you know keep possession and you know again even if on even on fourth down I mean they they were gonna take a shot anyways and they they were successful three or three on fourth down you can't be mad at the team the Raiders got nine penalties so we're going back to our old ways regressing does not look good uh, they are now tied for second in the AFC West the Chiefs have gotten their shit together now they're first again oh boy looks like last season all over again looks like we're about to fall apart I hope not. Hope not. Uh, finally, uh, for Monday Night Football, we had the Rams. Uh, wow, they got blown out too. Uh, final score here against their divisional rival Niners, thirty-one to ten. The Rams are seven and three. The Niners are four and five. Uh, biggest takeaway from from the game tonight is inconsistency from Matt Stafford, twenty-six of forty-one for two hundred and forty-three yards. He would throw a touchdown, but he would throw two picks. Uh, the Niners gained over 100 rushing yards again. Uh, their opening drive was 18 plays, of course, they ended up scoring. It was also 13 running plays in that drive as well. So they're not afraid to run the ball. Uh, they are very efficient when it comes to passing the ball. Uh, it doesn't seem like, you know, Jimmy G takes a whole lot of chances um, in terms of passing. But again, he's efficient. He also scored two touchdowns again through the air. Good, solid game. Debo Samuels. Scores on the ground. I believe he he caught a touchdown pass on top of that too, and uh, just lackluster lackluster offense overall from the Rams. They were three and ten on third down. Uh, they were down twenty one to seven at the half. Uh, they and defensively they struggled as well, allowing almost nine actually allowing nine yards per play. So. All over the place, they did not look good. They only scored 10 points. They gave up 31. Again, OBJ wasn't the factor, at least this week. You got to get some time. You know, give us some time. New players, you know, it always, it always takes a while for the new players to get into it, especially if they got picked up in the middle of the season. You got to roll with it. All right, y'all. I am going to uh, call the wrap for today uh, or tonight in the morning, depending on where you're listening to it. You know, thank you anyways for listening. But whenever you're listening to it, it's a wrap for now. <laughs> but uh, when we come back, uh, we will be breaking down some more college basketball, going through the scores. Again, it's a, we're still, you know, relatively early in the season. Uh, we also got uh, the NFL, I mean, sorry, the MLB. We are at the end of the season, of course. We're going to be talking about the end of the year awards. We're going to be talking about, well, I'm going to be talking about the offseason as well. Uh, we have free agency coming up. Gonna be previewing that. See who goes where, or guess taking a taking a you know a guess. Um, we'll also be getting into the NBA. Also be getting into the NBA, of course. And um, yeah, 
uh, oh, some college football. Again, I promised to get into it. I wanted to get into some today, but I wanted to wait until the uh, college football playoff rankings were out. They'll be coming out tomorrow. So we'll be breaking down some more college football, uh, starting off with those rankings. All right, y'all. If you are looking to keep, uh, get in touch with me or keep in touch with me, I'll be leaving some links available for you. And if anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you. Peace out. One love. I'll holler at you guys later.